Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you on this Sunday night. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be starting out in the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, be one verse. It says that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. In this house I will give peace. And then in the book of Zechariah in chapter 10, he makes mention of this glory as a rain, declaring the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. Now, the key word here is latter. Latter means situated or occurring nearer to the end of something more so than the beginning. Simply put, it happens at the last part of something. I begin tonight by declaring to you our nation is moving into a new era of time in these last days. Now, first of all, let me determine what an era is. Webster says that an era is often a long and distinct period of history with a particular feature or characteristic, meaning there was something significant that happened during that time that impacted history. This new era of time we're moving into as a nation is going to be unlike any other time in our history. It's going to be marked as a distinct period of history. Look at the devastating changes to our nation alone in the last 120 days. But not only is this nation moving to a new era, so is the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. The church is fixing to experience a distinct period of history also, which is going to feature an outpouring of God's spirit that's going to impact this nation. A moving of the spirit of God like never before in any other period of time. Another literal significant Pentecost is about to happen. What once seemed impossible is going to become, in, become possible. It's going to be distinct, and I'm going to show you that it was even prophesied to be for such a time as this. And the particular feature of this era is going to be the baptism of the Holy Ghost, empowering the body of Christ to win souls to the kingdom of God like never before, sparking the greatest revival in the history of our nation and around the world. And Pentecostalism will be at the forefront of this movement. Is there anybody in this house tonight who claims to be Pentecostal and unashamed of it? Hallelujah. 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 Do we really understand that we are living in the last days? Over 2,500 prophecies have been fulfilled, and everyday prophetic progress continues to line up with the times we're living in now. Do we understand at any moment and the twinkling of an eye that the body of Christ can be raptured out of here, making way for the tribulation for those left behind to begin. If you don't see this, you're spiritually blind. Even sinners believe the world's fixing to come to an end. I've heard, overheard many say, boy, this old world's getting in bad shape. It can't go on much longer like this. And they don't even know what we know. Yet they have a sense of concern about the path that we're on. And sadly, many of them think it's going to end because of climate change. I can tell you for those who don't make it to heaven, they're going to die because of climate change. Hell's going to be a pretty hot place to spend eternity. And the church has the responsibility like never before to help open the blinded eyes of our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors. Church, time is running out, but God has a plan for these last days. 
Do we understand what Pentecost is? Do we understand what it is to be Pentecostal? How many of you believe it's important to be Pentecostal? Do you know that even to this day, there's a day we call Pentecost? The day of Pentecost has been celebrated for over 2,000 years. I believe it's important for everyone to know why we should celebrate Pentecost. It goes back all the way back to the times of the Old Testament days when Pentecost was first experienced. It happened one day during the Exodus when 50 days after the first Passover, Moses led the people to Mount Sinai. Moses had been summoned by God to meet with him upon the mountain. He went up all alone. Upon him arriving at the top of the mountain, an outpouring of God's glory fell upon him. It was then God had him write the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. And when Moses came down off that mountain, after being in the presence of God, his face glowed so bright to the point he had to wear a veil. Then they celebrated what had took place that day with a feast known as the Feast of First Fruits. The Greeks called the feast Pentecost. That was the beginning of Pentecost, marking a new era for God's people that day. From then on, the day of Pentecost was celebrated each year to remind them of that significant day. It became as an event that took place during an important Jewish festival, which also marked the beginning of the harvest season, which is also called Shabbat. At the festival, Pentecost was celebrated in remembrance of God's glory coming down upon Moses and him writing the law. And if you go back and read the Old Testament, you'll discover that the day of Pentecost was one of Jewish feasts. Jews called it the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. It's mentioned five places in the first five books. It was a celebration of the beginning of the early weeks of harvest. In Palestine, there were two harvests each year. The early harvest came during the months of May and June. The final harvest came in the fall. Pentecost was a celebration of the beginning of the early wheat harvest, which meant that Pentecost always fell sometimes during the middle of the month of May or sometimes June. There were several festivals, celebrations, or observances that took place before Pentecost. There was the Passover, there was the unleavened bread, there was the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of First Fruits was a celebration of the beginning of the barley harvest. Here's the way you figured out the date of Pentecost. According to the Old Testament, you go to the day of the celebration of First Fruits, and beginning with that day, you would count off 50 days, and the 50th day would be considered to be the day of Pentecost. So First Fruits is the beginning of the barley harvest. Pentecost was a celebration of the beginning of the wheat harvest. Since it was always 50 days after first fruits, and since 50 days equals seven weeks, therefore they call it the Feast of Weeks. The festival of Pentecost should still be important to the Christian today because it represents and brings to remembrance the beginning of the New Testament church. It should remind us of how Jesus promised that God would send the Holy Spirit was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Pentecostalism is a Protestant Christian movement that emphasizes direct personal experience of God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a prominent belief of the Pentecostal church. It's a free gift of God given to a believer subsequent to a clean heart to empower him or her for the work of the ministry. And Acts 1 and 8 says, For you should be powered, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You should be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the end of the earth. The term Pentecostal is derived from Pentecost an event that commemorates the ascent of the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus Christ, speaking in untones as the Spirit gives others as described in Acts chapter 2. Take note, though, of these next couple of scriptures I read and what they have in similarity. That will mean something significant very soon. Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day, say day, of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Say one place. Now, Acts 20, verse 16 
says that Paul had decided to sell past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day. Say day. By the day of Pentecost. 1 Corinthians 16, 8, Paul says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. In other words, until the day of Pentecost. Notice these scriptures speak of Pentecost as a day of. The day of Pentecost was important to Paul. It took place at a certain place each time, which is significant to know if you're going to truly get the point of this message shortly to come. And it was and is still today a day of Pentecost has been celebrated throughout the history of the Pentecostal church. And it was a day known for what took place 50 days after Easter morning. When the Savior of the world that was crucified rose from the dead and told the disciples to go and tarry and wait for the promise to come. And what promise was that? The one he made to them prior to his ascension to heaven after his resurrection. When he told them, I must go away, and when I do, I will send to you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to you. Now go and tarry in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost during the era of time now commemorates the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out that day on the disciples in the upper room of Jerusalem. After his resurrection, upon his departing his promise, he sent the Holy Spirit to that upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, where 120 had gathered as instructed to wait for the promise. And then there on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, and according to Acts 2, when the day, say day, of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, say all, all 120 of them, they were all with one accord in one place, say one place. There it is again, one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them, closed the tongues of fire, and it set up on each of them. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with the tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. This outpouring during this era of time caused the New Testament church to be birthed that day. And that day was and still celebrated to this day. Church, do you get it? Many haven't. The church was birthed by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And those that were there were baptized with the Holy Ghost. And if God thought it, thought it took the baptism of the Holy Ghost to start the church, creating a new era for the church, why wouldn't it still take the Holy Ghost to sustain the church? And if it made the church powerful then, why wouldn't it still take it to keep it powerful today? And if it caused the church to grow 3,000 souls added to the church that day, why wouldn't it still take it for the church to grow today? And if it made the church alive, why wouldn't it still take it to keep the church alive? Hallelujah. The empowerment of the Holy Ghost was to be passed down from generation to generation, from city to city, from church to church, and from family to family. When these men received the Holy Ghost, they stormed out of that room and to the streets of that city and told those that were there on that day, the day of Pentecost, devout men out of every nation, that this is that that the prophet Joe prophesied. And 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. That is a spiritual explosion, my friends. Do you know next Sunday is deemed as Pentecostal Sunday, May 23rd? And I can't say we still celebrate Pentecost as we should. At best, we may observe it or simply mention it as a day. When the truth is, we shouldn't have to establish a day to observe Pentecost. As Pentecostals, we should observe Pentecost every day of our lives. Moving in us and through us, we ought to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation every time we assemble in this church. 
If not, we are quenching the Spirit of God, or else we need to drag ourselves to this altar for a refilling of the Holy Ghost. If we say we're Pentecostal and we say we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, then we can't help but have Pentecostal experiences in this room. But sadly, in too many churches, they can only talk about Pentecost. They can only commemorate the past of Pentecost. There are Pentecost in name only. In some churches, Pentecost is not a respected word. It's been mocked. It's been ridiculed. In some places, it's a disdained word to some. But to those of us who know what Pentecost means, know what it means to be spirit-filled and have a spirit-filled life, what it means to walk by faith and speak by faith and live by faith, we stand unashamed of the full gospel of Jesus Christ whose spirit quickened our dead bodies. When you understand the death of what it is to be Pentecostal, to be filled with the spirit, it's for so much more than just your enjoyment. It's more about your employment to serve the kingdom of God. And every Pentecostal church should be able to experience Pentecost and observe it in full operation every single service they attend. I'm telling you, for the church that's grown complacent or lethargic, the church needs to fall on its weak knees and surrender ourselves to the baptizer, Jesus Christ, and plead with him to baptize us fresh and anew with fire. God, breathe on us. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. If you've been saved and you say, I haven't even heard there even be a Holy Ghost, sadly, you're not the first one to ever say that. But as of tonight, you can no longer say that. You have heard the word. So if you would all cross this church tonight, would you lift up your hands for just a moment and close your eyes? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, dead wood catches fire real fast. Come on, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God, have your way in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let that spirit just stir for just a little longer. Hallelujah. 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 So there's been a few things I wanted you to catch real early tonight. Let me remind you of a couple of them. It was a day of Pentecost. It was a day. It happened in one place on 120 people. And I told you our nation is moving into a new era of time. And once again, an era is a long, distinct period of history that has a particular feature or characteristic. I mean, there's something prominent that takes place at that time in history. Something purposeful happens. Something new often comes to light. Something changes course during that time that hasn't been experienced before. And I declare that every one of those characteristics and features will definitely be involved in this new era of our nation and the church. By the way, have I ever said to you, something's moving, something's changing? I, I, just, I just wonder if I ever mentioned that. See, if the nation's going into a new era of time, then so is the church. As the church goes, so goes the nation. You know, any time God wanted to talk to a nation, he talked to a city in that nation. And any time he wanted to talk to a city, he talked to a church in that city. And any time he wanted to talk to a church, he sent a messenger. It's proven in the word of God. One instance is in the book of Revelations. We spoke to the seven churches of Asia. 
Another would be when he sent Jonah to Nineveh. I believe tonight that God has sent me to talk to this church in this city about this nation. To tell you that God wants to use this church in this city to help change this nation. He don't only want to speak to this church, nor only this city, nor just this nation. I believe God is sending last day messengers full of the Holy Ghost and fire all over the world to speak to his church. The church that has been saved for such a time as this. You could have been born any other time in history, in any other era. But before you were formed in your mother's womb, God had a plan for you for such a time as this. Come on, somebody. You got to get this tonight. I believe that the answer for this nation is a church in the city that is set on fire for Jesus Christ. And the answer for a church to be set on fire is for a preacher to be set on fire. And I don't know if you've noticed it yet by now or not, but there is a fire that's been set in the heart of every preacher in this church right now. We just got to get this whole body on fire with us. I'm telling you, if we ever do, the city will come out to watch us burn because nothing draws a crowd like a fire. I've got a fire shut up in my bone. Ah! I declare to you it's a new era for the church. And hold on, I'm fixing to tell you what that means. Through this church, in this city, God's going to deliver something new to this nation. I told you it's been prophesied. i got to repeat one more thing in case you were sleeping a while ago. In this new era, there's going to be a moving of the Spirit of God like never before in any other period of time. It's going to be distinct. And I'm going to show you it was prophesied to be for such a time as this. And the particular feature of this era is going to be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Empowering the body of Christ to win souls to the kingdom of God like never before. Sparking the greatest revival in the history of our nation and around the world. And I declare Pentecostalism will be at the forefront of this movement. Now let me show you what God said about these days. What was prophesied? Would everyone agree we're living in the last days? Good. Then we got to go back one more time to Acts 2. But first let me mention, the commemoration of the day of Pentecost has been around for some time, where one day a year we observe Pentecost Sunday. But there have been two significant days of Pentecost that have forever changed the path of the church. Both times... The significant feature was the outpouring of God's glory. Both times it sparked a new era for the church. And I believe in this new era of the church, there's going to be another very significant time of Pentecost that's going to take place that will bring the third significant change to the church that will affect the nations of the world. Pentecost is not going to be just a day we observe or commemorate. It's going to be experienced like never before. And not just on one day, there's going to be an outpouring like never before that was prophesied. But unlike the other two times, what God is going to do, he's not going to do it for simply a day or for a few or at only one place. Unlike the other two happened. What am I saying? I'm saying when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, that outpouring happened on one day upon one man at one place. 
In Acts 2, it declared, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it didn't say when Pentecost had fully come. It said when the day of Pentecost, that outpouring happened on one day, upon 120, in one room, in one city, Jerusalem, when they were in one accord, in one place. When the Wells revival happened, it targeted just Wells. When the Toronto revival happened, it targeted just Toronto. When the Brownsville revival, it targeted just Brownsville, one church. When the Azusa Street happened, it targeted one place. Although it's too many went there and helped spread what was going on there to other places, just like on the day of those 120 at that one place, but through time it spread throughout the world. I believe in this new era, there's going to be another wave of the outpouring of a spirit like never before. Another refreshing of Pentecost that's not going to be just for a day but it's going to be for days to come and it's going to be perpetual that's going to launch the church into a new era that was prophesied by Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 Peter said this is that that the prophet Joel prophesied of he was saying this to the people who were astonished at the outpouring on that day Peter was saying hey we just experienced what Job prophesied would happen. And we know that that day was the beginning of the last days. But today we're at a different place than that day. This is the last days. So what am I saying? Let me read it again. In Acts 2, Peter said that Job said, in the last days. He didn't say on the last day. He said in the last days. What point in time are we in? What is so distinct about the era of this time? This is the last days. This is the last of the last days. He said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. When he says it's going to happen for days, he is signifying that it's going to be for an era of time. Because remember, an era is what? A long time that consists of days, right? And what is going to be so distinct about this time, I will pour out my spirit, his spirit. You see, on the day of Pentecost, it happened one day. It happened in one place. It only happened on 120. But Peter declared that that day he was echoing what the prophet Joe prophesied. This is that, that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out his spirit on the last days. Catch this. And what's different this time? Upon all flesh, not just like just on one like he did Moses at one place on Mount Sinai, not just 120 like he did in one place at Jerusalem. And the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and our sons and our daughters my son your son my daughter your daughter and because of they're going to prophesy and the young men are going to see vision and the old men are going to dream dreams and even upon my servants and my handmaidens in those days upon all regardless of race social status education denomination or location I declare unto you in these last days in this new era time God's going to pour out his spirit unlike ever before and the outpouring of his spirit is going to intensify during these last days until the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I don't care if you're American or Mexican or Puerto Rican or Iranian or North Korean or Japanese or Chinese. I don't care if you're a millionaire, a billionaire, a white collar, a blue collar, homeless or a vagabond. He's going to pour it out every day, not just in a room, not just in one place, but all over the world. 
And he's going to do it through the 21st century church under the lordship of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And some of the most unusual people in some of the most unusual places are going to be saved. And in the midst of all this darkness, his light shall spring forth and hell can't stop it. Satan, you have woken a sleeping giant that has been saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. Ready to take on principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. In the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, every stronghold must come down. I'm telling you, in the last days, the Holy Ghost will flood this nation. And out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water testifying of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then suddenly, get ready, church. There's fixing to be a suddenly take place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. If ever we need to hear a sound from heaven, it's now. This nation needs to hear the roar of the Lion of Judah like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, in these last days, in this new era of time, things are going to be entirely different for the church. It's not going to look like it used to. It ain't going to act like it used to. It ain't going to worship like it used to. It ain't going to preach like it used to. Why? Because it's going to operate under the unction of the Holy Ghost in these last days. And it won't be just upon 120, but multiple thousands. It won't be just upon one church, but churches all across this nation. It won't be just upon one city, but it's going to be on cities across this nation. Ready to take on the principalities and the powers and the ruler of darkness and the spiritual wickedness in these places. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. It won't be upon a certain age group. Out of the mouth of babes will he be glorified. Hey, hey, guys, back here quickly. Put my map up. It's going to look like this like I showed you two weeks ago. Lights are going to pop up in this darkness all over this nation. All of those lights you see, those white spots are lights. That's what this nation is fixing to look like because the glory of the Lord, the light of the Lord is going to begin to shine in these dark places all over this nation. The church is going to be a light into this dark world. This outpouring will be upon the nations around the world. Six billion people in the world. And he says in the last days he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That's going to take a mighty outpouring like the world has never seen before. And that same spirit that was on Elijah is going to be on the church. We're not going out a weak, anemic church. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. And I don't think we understand. We're not in this battle alone. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Exodus 12, verse 40 says, The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. That's how long they lived as slaves in Egyptian bondage under Pharaoh. Until God sent Moses to deliver them out of Egypt this particular day. But I want you to know something in verse 41. Moses didn't do it alone. Verse 1 says, talking about the day Israel was finally released from Egyptian bondage, it says, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Armies of the Lord, that's not talking about the Israelites. They didn't have no army. Well, actually they did, but they didn't know it. It's talking about a host of angels. 
the armies of the Lord. And that whole time when Moses was pleading with Pharaoh, he wasn't alone. There was a host. There was a regiment of God's warring angels fighting along beside him against the forces of evil that were fighting back against Moses. And when the battle was over, when they left 430 years of bondage, the armies of the Lord left too. What I'm trying to say is in these last days, when the enemy's given us everything that he's got, we aren't fighting alone. We got a whole host of the Lord's army fighting with us. These are warring angels being dispatched, and this time it won't be just a regiment. It's going to be the whole host if that's what it takes. If he has to empty out the armies of heaven upon this earth to defeat our armies, he will do it. He's coming with a greater force than he's ever came before, and we're going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? Until we see these times we're in through spiritual eyes, we're going to be like Elijah's servant who looked out the window and he saw they were surrounded by their enemy. He thought, we ain't got a chance. There's too many of them. Elijah said, fear not, for there's more for us than it's against us. And then he prayed for God to open up the eyes of his servant. And then when the servant looked out again, he saw their enemies were surrounded by horses and chariots of fire. When we look through spiritual eyes, he saw there were more for them than against them. Hallelujah. When we begin to look at this thing through spiritual eyes, we're going to realize we're not in this thing alone. A host of armies is surrounding us, and they're for us, and God is for us, and he's not against us. The outpouring will not be localized to a certain group of people. This last day outpouring will be a spiritual explosion felt around the world to the four corners of the earth. A literal Pentecost will now be seen and experienced around the world. But if we enter into this new area with an old wineskin mentality, once again, religion will divert our path to his glory. If we want to experience what we have never experienced before, we've got to go into this new era like we've never gone before. We've got to be baptized in his spirit, fresh and anew. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. We must leave traditions and religious practices behind. Taking nothing with us but an empty heart that's hungry and thirsty to be filled with a new wine. Church, he has saved the best for the last days. And it's time for the church to walk in the fog, the favor of God. The new path is not going to lead the church but to one place, the harvest field. The fields are ripe for harvest, and it's going to be work. It's going to be more about what you do than what you say. It's time to be doers of the word. It's harvest time. It's time to enter the harvest fields. The harvest is out there. Out there. The church is the storehouse, the place to bring them to. And to be effective witness, we're going to have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. There has to be a renewing of a desire to want to be empowered by his spirit. We aren't fighting alone anymore. Angel armies are showing up to help us break through this battle. Now in this era, this is how we must fight our battles. And it might look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you, O Lord, by the armies of the Lord. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Get ready for the days that lie ahead for the greatest, most intensified outpouring of his spirit to hit this nation and nations abroad. It's already happening. Let's just join the movement. 
This church claims to be Pentecost. So then we ought to be Pentecostal. We should have a desire to be part of this last day outpouring. It's happening as I speak in our nation and around the world. Outpourings are breaking out. Keep listening. It's just starting to intensify. When sin abounds, much more will his grace. And the more radical evil gets, the more radical the church will get. <laughs> I'll never forget my experience when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. When I got saved, I was so hungry. I wanted everything that God had for me. And the Bible that says that those that hunger and thirst shall be filled, it ain't no lie. Some people just aren't hungry enough yet. I remember my experience. I'm a young Christian, and I'd been reading the Bible. I'd read about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I never experienced it. I began to seek for it, and it wasn't happening for me. I remember one time going to an altar and praying, and I remember coming to this one place that I was starting to feel surrounded by the presence of the Lord in a way I've never felt before. And then it stopped. It was like I got a taste of something, but I didn't receive it. And I remember going to a conference, and I roomed with Chuck Lambert. And Chuck had been in this thing a long time. I said, Chuck, man, I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How do you get it? He said, Randy, you just got to yield yourself to it. I said, Chuck, I'm going with everything I got. I want it. I want that baptism. God promised me. It's a free gift. I can have it. And I remember coming back that very weekend, and the pastor preaches on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm sitting right back there to the right of the church, and I remember sitting there. People were getting to respond, and I made up my mind to make up my mind. I'm going to that altar. I don't care if I flop like a chicken. I don't care what happens. I'm going to go up there, and I am going to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I remember kneeling down this time, and I got back to that place I experienced before, but then I pressed through to his glory. And I was baptized in the Holy Ghost that Sunday morning, and it has forever changed my life. I can remember my wife got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I carried her home like a drunk woman. I had to load her up in the car, literally, carrying the house, laughing all the way in. <laughs> that went on for hours, full of the Holy Ghost. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. The, the promise has been made in these last days. As Pentecostals, we should have a desire not to just observe, but to experience Pentecost. In these days, we're going to face many and, and, many and even at times extreme battles. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. God has promised that he'd send the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost to empower the church for the last days to come, to create a new era for such a time as this. He knew times were going to get dark and chaotic. He knew when Satan begins to realize his days are short, he's going to turn up the heat and assault the church. He even had it prophesied that in the last days, perilous times shall come. But he promised, I'll have a way for you to overcome the world because I have overcome the world. 
We can't just be Pentecost in name. We can't remain unaffected while the enemy ravages our nations and our homes day after day. He said we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon us. Pentecost is to be more than a day observed. It's to be experienced. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. And praise is our most valued strength. Our prayers must intensify. No more, none of this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, to be effective, they must become fervent. And the Holy Ghost will cause your power of your prayers to increase. Through the Holy Ghost, you can pray the Father's will. When you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, it will pray for you with moanings and groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Holy Ghost will cause our worship to intensify. That when our praises go up, then his glory comes down. You want to be spiritually powerful instead of always feeling powerless? Then receive ye the Holy Ghost. Be filled. Be refilled. Spiritual battles must be fought spiritually. You want to be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy? You want to be an effective witness? Then you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. How you live your life is a witness to the lost and dying world. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll talk different. You'll walk different. You won't hang out where you used to. You won't act like you used to. After Moses had been in the presence of God, his face witnessed to those around him. He had been in the presence of God. His countenance was so bright, he had to wear a veil. There's something different about spirit-filled believers. They're not mean-spirited. They're not complacent. They're not uncommitted. They're not slothful. They are powerful and effective. Through our last era of time, we have diminished the importance of the Holy Ghost. To the point we got more observers than we got participators. And then we wonder why God isn't moving in the church. Our churches all across America are slowly turning into lecture halls and social clubs. People just coming in and sitting down and listening and leaving. Just coming in doing their due diligence and leaving. Just coming in fellowshipping with friends and leaving. Can I tell you, I don't come to church to be lectured. I come to church to experience God, to be inspired and encouraged by the word of God. I come to give my God the worship that he deserves. And I like you, but I came to fellowship with Jesus, and I'll catch you at the restaurant. And if you're still here when I get done in here, I'm sorry, I'm not in a hurry. Now, let me go back to my opening scripture to wrap this all up. To truly understand what God is saying. On the day of Pentecost, when there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that started a new era. The New Testament church happened. That was the beginning of the last days to come. Peter, Peter was saying, this isn't just going to happen just today. It's going to happen for days to come. And the latter days will be greater than the former's. In other words, closer to the end of the last days, his spirit's going to intensify. It become even greater than today. Well, church, we are closer to the end than ever. Latter also means the second mention of something. This was the second mention. First time, Joe said it. This time, Peter said it. 
I'm ready for the latter rain, church, because it shall be greater than the former. Job 42 and 12 says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Job 8 and 7 says, Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Haggai 2.9, I'll repeat, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And James 5.7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. The latter rain is coming in these latter days. And we shouldn't be spending all our time fearing and fretting. We should be spending it expecting the greatest move of God that is yet to come. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? Musicians, if you'll come.